Today I'm going to talk about some of the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be talking about a subject that you, most of you know a little bit about, maybe a lot about, and that is the Beatitudes. And sometimes when you preach about the Beatitudes, you need some kind of help. You need a visual aid to do that. A minister was giving a sermon in which living the Beatitudes was like a flower planted in rich soil through which the person would have a new life, a new revelation, and new growth. She decided that a visual demonstration would add emphasis to her sermon. Four worms were placed into four separate jars. The first worm was placed into a jar of alcohol. The second worm was placed into a jar of cigarette smoke. The third worm was placed into a jar of chocolate syrup. The fourth jar was held, the fourth was put into a jar of good, clean soil. At the conclusion of her sermon, the minister reported the following results. The first worm in alcohol, dead. The second worm in cigarette smoke, dead. The third worm in chocolate syrup, dead. The fourth worm in good, clean soil, alive. So the minister asked the congregation, what can you learn about living the Beatitudes from this demonstration? A little old woman in the back quickly raised her hand and said, as long as you drink, smoke alcohol, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't get worms. No more worms. Our second scriptural passage for today, today is one we've heard many, many times. In fact, it is one of the most known scriptural passages in the Bible. It is called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is defined as having received supreme blessedness and grace from God. And because of that blessedness and grace, to have the ultimate happiness. Ultimate happiness. The Beatitudes are the introduction to what is called the Sermon on the Mount. That's chapter 5 through 7 in Matthew. Which is also a very famous scriptural passage. The Sermon on the Mount is known to be the ethical teachings of Jesus Christ. And is frequently called the core of Christianity. In each statement in the Beatitudes, Jesus describes those who are truly blessed, those who are favored by God, those with whom most justification to be happy, hopeful, and content are there. They are in a right relationship with God, meaning righteousness. But in describing those that are blessed, Jesus really goes out into left field. Here's where he begins to be rather radical for the day and today. He does not talk about people we might expect to be called blessed, such as the rich, powerful, healthy, carefree, etc., etc., etc. 
Instead, he puts the poor, the afflicted, and the mourning at the top of those who are blessed. You have all heard the Beatitudes, and you have a copy of them, by the way, printed in your order of worship. I invite you to follow along with them in this sermon, and I invite you to take them home with you and live them, not only today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Practice them. Practice living with them. The words in the Beatitudes directly contradict conventional wisdom. The world seems to favor those who look out for themselves, the powerful and the prideful, those who rely on strength and weapons and cunning. But Jesus says that divine blessing comes to those who do the right thing at the right time especially when the odds seem stacked against them to do so. Peacemakers in a world infatuated with war and intentionally caused dissension or visionaries in a world that routinely persecutes prophets. To make this distinction clear, let's hear the blessing one might hear today, today, right now, based on the world today. Blessed are the rich in things and self-assurance. Blessed are those untouched by loss. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are those who are practical about righteousness, compromising every step of the way. Blessed are those who demand and exact an eye for an eye. Blessed are the crafty and the opportunistic. Blessed are those bold enough to make war, bold enough to make war. Blessed are those who, doing good, things receive many, many accolades about how great they are. So what do the Beatitudes mean, really mean, for the living of our lives? Jesus means we are to actually live The Beatitudes. Sounds simple. It ain't. It ain't. But you and everyone can do it. Living the Beatitudes every second, every minute of the day. Now that is a truly radical and huge step to take in our society. It is what is called us, it is what Jesus calls us to do. To be truly blessed, in order to do this, we must overcome ourselves, overcome the shell of ourselves, and enter into the Beatitudes, and we will become truly blessed. There is no simple assurance that living the Beatitudes will make somebody's life a blessed bed of roses. We can claim them as values to teach our children and virtues to pursue in daily life. But they are not the stepping stones to success. This is not a how to succeed in business list of things. 
at least not in this world. As someone said, blessed are the meek. Well, tomorrow when you go to work, try being meek. Let me know how far that gets you. Meekness is fine for the church. But in the real world, the meek frequently are, at the very least, ignored. But is that really true? And all you got to do is watch the news today. Who do we listen and learn from? Someone who speaks, who is a shouter, bellicose, highly emotional, ranting and raving? Or someone who talks in a calm, quiet, deliberate, and direct manner. Some may call the latter meek. Jesus would call the latter powerful. Powerful. It's difficult to understand the Beatitudes of Jesus. I agree with that. But they do unsettle us. They make us uncomfortable. They prompt us to wonder whether they are true. Are the poor in spirit truly blessed by God? Is God revealed to the pure in heart? Will God give the earth as a free inheritance to the meek? The Beatitudes of Jesus announce a realm of values that press in on us, that press us against the wall, that press us to where we belong. Do we belong to a world of persecution, war-making, and hostility? Or do we belong to a realm of mercy and caring, purity, and righteousness? I would hope the answers to these questions is the latter. But how? How do we get there? How do we get there? Throughout the world, that is a common question that is being asked. How do we get there? People want to know if the waters of life are navigable. And if so, how? People are looking for a way to deal with the challenges, the uncertainties and difficulties of life. Will my newly diagnosed disease dramatically change my life? Will I live? Due to the loss of my job, Will I become homeless? I have lost my loved one. How will I manage life alone? How will the frailties of aging affect my life? Will I still be able to have a rich and full life? These are the questions that universally are asked, not just in this congregation, not just in this community, not just in this country, We want some assurance that the direction of our life will offer a meaning and come directly to us and help us to be a part of something that is much, much larger than ourselves. So how do we do that? How do we move forward? What are we to teach our children and grandchildren on how to do that? Those are the age-old questions asked. In every generation, we need something 
to give us direction. Now, most of us have been taught to navigate the waters of life through power, strength, accomplishment, and acquisition. We work to be rich so that we can have what we want. We seek power so that we can take what we want. We argue to be right so that we can have our own way. We compete to win so we'll be respected and admired. We want to be beautiful so we'll be liked and desired. At least that's what many of us have been told, what many of us have grown up with, what many of us live every single day with. For too long, for too long, that has been the myth with which we have lived. Jesus' life, ministry, and teachings fly in the face of that myth. Jesus offers a different way of navigating life. He offers a map, a map to lead us through the waters of life. Those waters, he says, are navigable, but it's not through power. It's not through strength. It's not through accomplishment or it's not through acquisition. The way forward for all of us, the way forward for all of us, is navigating the life we each lead through the Beatitudes. It is about overcoming ourselves to be transformed by living the Beatitudes. If you want to know what that transformation looks like, then look at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That is the chart. That is the map. That is the guide for how we navigate life. That is how we meet the challenges, the uncertainties, and the difficulties of life. That is what we are to teach our children and grandchildren. A lifetime of living the Beatitudes day after day after day after day. That is how we can all be transformed. Now, in today's world, that may sound like a lot of foolishness, and weakness. I know some of you here today are in the same profession that I am, and that is well, formerly a trial lawyer, now a mediator of cases in litigation. And I know for a fact, if I started talking that way, it would be viewed as weakness. It would be viewed as, you know, not much to pay attention to. But if you continue in that vein, if you show people what it can do for you and what it can do for them, that's a whole different ballgame. A whole different ballgame. In the trauma and setbacks of life, we discover that we cannot do life by ourselves. Instead, using the words and the map of Beatitudes, and when we admit our need for God, 
We find purity of heart. These aren't just words. These aren't just words. You can experience them. You can tell me what it meant. The arrogance of self-sufficiency gives way to meekness. We realize that all we are and have is from God, and we begin to know ourselves as poor in spirit. Our own misfortunes awaken and connect us to the pain, to the pain of the world. We cannot help but follow this path once we start. We think less about ourselves and become merciful to others. We have nowhere else to go, so we turn our gaze to God. The longer we gaze at God, the more we hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, for God's life, and we become peacemakers, peacemakers, reconciling ourselves to God and our neighbors. To live, to truly live the Beatitudes is to live a life of, this is a quote, reckless exuberance and abandonment of self and full acceptance of God. That is the way of Christ. That is not only the way forward through this life. It is the way forward to life. If we are to follow Christ, it must become the way of the Beatitudes. So take a look at them. Take a look at them now. Study them. Take them home say, how can these verses guide my life? How can I let them in to guide my life? It'll happen. It will happen.